Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome everyone to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, and I am here with my new friend, Pamela Fitzgerald. Uh, a new friend, but very quick, I was like, oh, so my person. And I was very, very excited to find out that she recently moved into my neighborhood. So yay. I don't often have that um, wow moment when I connect with people online to find out that they actually are close enough with, to me that I can we can like go for a walk and have coffee and do all those fun things. So, <laughs> and um, I'm going to dive into all kinds of things, but you just hosted this retreat at, um, at a farm and it was, I'm like, oh my God, I get to go do those things. I'm so excited. So again, just super jazzed about that. So, yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, being new here, like it's, I, I will take all the friends I can get. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Especially careful. the good ones. Yeah. Well, I'm going to lump myself in there and say, thank you. Um, awesome. So let me introduce you to my community. Uh, Pamela has been working in the fitness industry for 13 years. And as a graduate of the fitness and health promotion program at Humber College, she was fascinated with how the body works, human anatomy, neurobiology, the neuromuscular system, which if you know anything about me, you know, like that's my full background. So I'm like, oh, let's geek out. Super excited. Um, which led her to doing some extensive work with specialized cadaver dissection programs. Yes, I want to know about that. And a thorough understanding of the human body. She's also a published fitness model and former physique competitor which gives her a unique perspective on body image and mindset struggles. She's a public speaker, one-on-one -on -one muscle specialist, group training, yoga training, uh, sorry, yoga and anatomy instructor, and nutrition coach, and meditation facilitator. Now, through all of that, I think you can tell that she's very committed to helping people, and she wants everyone to enjoy all the activities they love with a strong, healthy body, mind, and spirit. And with over a decade of experience and education behind her, she delivers the tools people need to connect to the love of self through mindfulness and movement. Yes, please. That, I mean, <laughs> if someone had just shared that bio with me, I'm like, oh my God, we're friends. Like I don't, I, I, know, I, like, I like my bio more when you read it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. So Pamela, the, when we chatted, when we first got the chance to meet and when we um, were chatting about all kinds of things, your move here um, to this sort of small town community from Toronto, uh, you had shared with me some of your experiences with the uh, fitness industry and the competition in like that world and um, which I'm very curious about. And I know that from the snippets that you shared with me, the world of joy and fascination and love of movement and mindfulness that you live into now, that wasn't always the case. And so I am very, I won't say eager to hear about your hot mess because, you know, but I kind of am. So I, I'm, I'm really curious about what transpired for you that caused you to take these shifts to sort of follow those um, fascinations and really get um, sort of entrenched or in, engaged in the work that you're doing now. It was 
I, I had started personal training because I was in this fitness and health promotion thing. And I didn't know what really what I wanted to do with it. It was a very cool program. They did sport event management. They did sport sociology, really cool program at Humber. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I thought it would be really cool to be a personal trainer. I'm like, oh, I can just work at the gym and like, you know, tell people how to do stuff. And so it was actually, it's a weekend certification course, which after everything that I've been through, um, I hope that everyone that's embarking on uh, personal training, you know, careers, um, you know, goes, goes beyond that at, at some point, but you do have to have this weekend certification course. So I took that and it was basically, uh, you know, at the time, and I think this was years ago, right? So I think that things have probably evolved a lot more and, uh, um, but yeah, it was just te- like, you know, how did, you know, this is how you squat and right. So I started working with people and it just became like glaringly obvious that I, I, I was f- not educated in, in this. And it wasn't, you know, people that were relatively fit and healthy that were showing up. It was people with arthritis. It was people that were struggling with all kinds of different things. And I just didn't have the scope. So I was ready to quit. And I was doing kind of some cool event management stuff at the time. I was working in an art gallery and doing some things. And and, um, so I, I was talking to a couple of my colleagues at the gym that I worked at. And they steered me towards um, more specialized programs um, that were mainly based out of the US. We had an instructor in Toronto, but most of the courses were based out of the US. Mm-hmm. So it meant me not going back because I thought about going back to get a degree. And because um, I was liking it, like I was, I was starting to really, you know, the more that I couldn't work with people or couldn't help them, mm-hmm. I was, I was intrigued. And um, so I was interested in anatomy. I was participating in some study groups and stuff. And Anyway, so I went on to take all these other different courses and that, and it really, really sparked an interest. Like it's, um, it was really in depth. It was a lot of physics stuff. And I had given up the maths and the sciences early in high school. Cause that was an option back then. You didn't have to take right. like, right. You know, so I, but it reignited a, a passion for learning that I hadn't had, like I scraped by in college, I scraped by in high school. And it, it's kind of unfortunate, I think, for a lot of students, because as humans, we love to learn, but we don't always fit into these uh, curriculums or, or whatever is going on. So it really reignited this passion for learning. So I have sort of like a concurrent, like awesomeness and then concurrent hot mess. It was sort of both happening at the same time uh, through those education programs. They were attracting a lot of people that were in the fitness industry in terms of like bodybuilding and physique competitions, um, because those folks know physiology so well, like Mm -hmm. people that really have, have kind of put the body through that. And so I was meeting a lot of people in that sort of, you know, subculture of bodybuilding and finally I just you know I had a lot of support from people around me and we're like yeah let's Pam's gonna do a show Pamela's gonna do a show <laughs> so uh, I had a friend of mine helping me out with my nutrition I had a friend of mine helping me out with my training and it was a really big part of my learning process because I was going through um, courses I was studying as well at the time and managing my my nutrition the most strictly I ever had in my whole life um, because it was I just never, you know, I was a pretty relatively fit kid, kind of knew what to eat and what not to eat, but this was whole new territory. Mm-hmm. So I was studying, I was learning, I was in this place where I was attacking this like big goal to like do this show. And I had um, my nutritionist friend who is still my part of my heart, my heartbeat, like such a awesome friend. She talked to me a lot about rebounding after shows and how, because the diets get so restrictive that you're going to want to eat mad amounts of food. And that a lot of people, uh, if they're not mindful of that, they can start to really put on uh, weight, which the weight putting on is not the thing, but it was, it's so rapid that it becomes, it can become really unhealthy. 
-hmm. And at the time, as I, I think a lot of things evolve, but at the time, my goal wasn't health. Like my goal was the show. Mm -hmm. So I was drinking uh, probably like two pots of coffee a day. Um, I was, you know, e eating this really, really restrictive diet. I was studying a lot. So there's just a lot going on. And uh, so she talked to me, she had this whole conversation about me. So I was very aware and she was very well versed in the industry. So I, I was very aware of, um, you know, some of the health risks and, you know, she always did her, she talked to me, but she's like, stop with the coffee. And like, she <laughs> would really try to keep the process as healthy as she could. And we did really good uh, the first show and I, I did really well. And that was great, you know, and it was nice because like all my friends were helping me out and I loved it. Um, but after the show, as, as she said, like, I just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Like I just started eating binge eating at night and, um, cravings for sweets, um, until I gained probably about 20 pounds after the show, which isn't, and you know, isn't a huge amount of weight or anything, but it kept happening. So I, I would do another show and it would get harder and harder to get leaner. So I would take more extreme measures and then I would gain more weight, even more rapidly post-show. So mm -hmm. that started, started me into that cycle. Um, but at the same time, like my career was growing, which was, you know, really nice. And I was starting to really be able to help people on, um, on a neuromuscular level, like really helping people post-op and, I, it was around those times too, kind of in between shows that I got the opportunity to do the cadaver thing, mm -hmm. which became like such a proud moment in my career. And um, it was actually part of the course that I was taking. They advised that we go and see uh, cadaver at these two specific places in the States because it was uh, trainers, muscle specialists that were doing the cadavers and presenting them so that we knew more about the muscular system. Mm -hmm. And the way that the course shook out when I went out, it was an actual dissection. So like, it, it wasn't like you just went out to see like, you know, the, the prosected and, and I was having a moment with myself. I'm like, I missed my calling. I should have been a surgeon because it, it was, it was so humbling and, and it changed it, it, it might, at that point, my career was going really well, but it further changed and developed how I deal with people and the choices that I make when I'm prescribing force on, on someone's body through exercise. So, mm -hmm. it, and, and it was a beautiful moment for me because, you know, one of those things, you know, my, my folks had always said, you know, you should go to university and, and things like that. And I never did. And I went to the college in sort of this fitness program. And um, it, it was one of those things I was sitting in a lab in a, a prestigious hospital in this, in the U S with criminologists and brain surgeons and, you know, all these amazing people that I have no business hanging out with. Right. <laughs> so it, it was such a proud moment for me. It's one of those moments where you've, you've worked that hard to get, or you're so passionate about something that it's led you somewhere that you really got no business being. But at the same time, I was really spiraling downward with my health. Mm -hmm. um, I was in the um, throes of, um, you know, rapid weight gains and excessive measures to lose weight again for shows until that finally um, came to a head. I, I lost a show that I didn't think I should have lost. <laughs> like I was, I was training to go to nationals. I wanted to compete for Canada. And um, I, yeah, it, it was, it was kind of a weird rules thing. And there was someone on stage that shouldn't have been, and I lost and I was all grouchy about it. And my rebound was the worst that it, it had ever been. Um, I think I put on in probably about three months around 75 pounds. Not that the numbers matter so much, but 
it, it was just so much on my system right. and, the, and it was all from eating. So it was, you know, and, and some of my physiological processes started to like downregulate. So I, I'm sure, I think that leaky gut was kind of a thing that we all were reading about and stuff like that, but that's mm -hmm. excessive permeability of the um, stomach lining. Yep. And that's what I had done just through, like, it was so much like any, any amount of sugar and fried foods in such large, large quantities. And we're talking like eight, 10,000 calories in a sitting until the point where I was ill. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really, I, and they misdiagnosed it as um, IBS or Crohn's, you know, so they had pumped me full of steroids as well, which anyone who's been on corticosteroids, it's so much water retention. Right. <laughs> so my whole body. And then I was still working this at, at this point as a personal trainer with people that had seen me, you know, a, like, you know, half of my size a couple of months ago. Right. So it was, it was, it was really, really challenging. And that was sort of my, my rock bottom. And it took me a really long time to um, get out of that because I reverted back to things that I knew I would start every single Monday after having binged myself to the point of it, like physical illness on a Sunday, I would start again every Monday and be like, I'm doing a show diet, you know, like the, the 900 calories that I ate the last week of my show getting ready. So I, I did, I cycled through that for a long time, which just caused more and more internal, um, internal um, being, you know, my, my mental well-being, my emotional, spiritual well-being, as well as my physical just was in this big downturn. There's, um, thank you for sharing all of that. That's um, an, a, a very powerful visual as I'm, you know, listening to your story and, and it, with you experiencing that, I almost say like that dichotomy. Mm. And I, I wanted to just comment or highlight or just, you know, say that what I noticed was interesting is how we as humans can so, I don't say it was easy, but we can divide ourselves and live these coexisting life, lives simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And um, so for many of us, we're doing that split in multiple ways, right? It's we're living multiple lives and showing up feeling like a whole different person over oh, here yeah. and over here and over here. And, and sort of the, the extreme differences mm -hmm. in, um, in, in your experience, but even how we can, um, sort of turn off certain parts. Like it's like we turn off the knowledge because of what we're feeling and turn off the feelings because of what we know, right? So the, your academic self, very knowledgeable, very skilled can absolutely share, guide, advise, take in information and process and go, yep, this is how this all works. But when we, in, to internalize that, you have to um, not only address, but move through all of the emotional components that are doing their own thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the, what's driving sort of the other side of things, the patterns that you were experiencing, um, the thought processes, um, I just find that, I find it, I'm gonna say fascinating. It's not in a like, ooh, that's really great. Well, no, but, <laughs> but and the amount of roles that I was playing and what was going on in my head at that time, because I had to, you know, like in, in order to get by, like you, I think, I think this is something we commonly do, but you start to spin stories and you we create narrative, <laughs> right? Oh, so yeah. for 
my client, it's as you said, right? Like, I mean, regardless of what you look like, and I, I believe this, and people will say this, you've got to walk your walk and talk your talk. But regardless of what I look like, the amount of time that I spent, the fact that I had opened up human beings to learn <laughs> more about the muscular system, it doesn't change. But so I was, it was all these different roles. Like I was, you know, um, I, I had kind of spun the story more around the illness Mm -hmm. um, about my weight gain. So if, you know, that came up or if I felt like I had to defend myself, I would say, you know, it's because I was put on corticosteroids. It's because I'm ill. I'm right. having trouble with metabolism, like all those things, right. um, which wasn't untrue, but that's not the root of it. So and it's, it's, I think you nailed it about the idea of a narrative, be specifically the one that we live into about ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So we create stories about things all the time. See someone on the street, you made up a story in their head, in your head about who they are and what they do and how they operate. And when we interact or we work with clients, we gather information and we gather the story and we create a plan based on that. But it, the stories that we tell ourselves become the truth, regardless oh, yeah. of what it is. And, yeah. and when we practice living into that story, and so it doesn't, right? Cause you had gone from like competition to relapse or to rebound. And it, it kept happening. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It became part of what happened. So I'm the one that rebounds and then I'm the one that does this. And then I'm the one that, and yeah. you start to get into that space and then combine it with your knowledge of human physiology. Absolutely. Not only is it justified to say it's your metabolism or that it's a disease, people should believe you because you actually are educated in that field. Right. So mm. we, we, lean on things in weird ways. And I, yeah. for me in my world, I call that the inner critic because I believe the inner critic is the tyrannical guardian of your story, whatever yeah. shitty story you're telling. Yeah. And, um, when we look outward, we're, we apply a whole other lens. Like it's not, you know, you know, I hear people say this all the time. I know better yet. I'm not doing it. Like yeah, I, oh yeah. I know better. Yeah. Why is this, why am I here? Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, so and that was the, that was the conversation I had with myself. It was, it was gut wrenching. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. this is my whole job, my whole identity, yeah. right. Um, was shaped around, around that. And that was the hardest part of it. And uh, I don't, oh, it's, it's, it's even a hard place to like, to feel myself into again. Like that was really challenging. So, I mean, I know it wasn't just a, oh, and now we're better. So what? Talk to me a little bit about um, your increase in personal awareness. So you're aware of the problem, but there's always a, a moment where you're like, you start to take those small actions in the direction of your more aligned or undivided or higher self, however you want to put it. And mm -hmm. then, you know, then you're, there's those, that period of time could be weeks, months, years where you're coexisting in the. I'm moving forward, but I'm still living the life and I'm trying to make these shifts and it involves environment, it involves people, it involves relationships and, and how you see yourself. Like, so tell me a little bit about those early days when you started to actually take ownership of your shit mm -hmm. and say, okay, okay, enough, enough of all this, mm -hmm. um, this, and, and then you start to make those changes and then walk us through what that experience was like to continue to turn towards your sort of higher self mm -hmm. so that you could get to this place where you can be the observer and go, wow, that happened. And yeah, right. I think, um, I think if there was one big thing, I don't know that it's so much a moment, um, but one of the big things is um, 
letting go of uh, identities and maybe letting go of some of the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me years. There was like, yeah, we, we've talked about this. I There wasn't just, it, it took years. Like this went on for me from probably like, like 20, I don't know. It was so long. Like it was like a four year thing. And it was, I think a large part of it was shedding um, identities that I had latched onto so hard. One of them being the pretty girl, the fit girl, the, you know, that sort of um, narrative. I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm a higher version of myself now, um, but definitely different perspective. It shaped my perspective and changed my perspective so deeply. Mm-hmm. I think that um, the binge eating and the food patterns that I had developed part of that is tied up with other addictive stuff for me. Like we kind of fast forwarded all my playtime with party drugs. And <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a piece of the story too, but I do think a lot of my food stuff, um, like correlating it to some of the addictive behaviors that I'd had as well was mm-hmm. a piece of a piece of healing. Um, actually leaning on people and actually asking for support. I have one of the most supportive families out there in the world. And I don't think I ever leaned into that as hard as I did when I was struggling so much. Um, Having a different perspective of the world than being this fitness model. And like, you know, um, I actually understood what it was like to, to struggle to lose body fat. I actually understood what my clients were telling me when they said they had no time. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like 25 and I live at home and like, (laughs) I make this all the time in the world for everything. So it (laughs) it was just, my whole world shifted like, and, and everything changed. And Um, I think one of the huge things was letting go of old stories and letting go of narratives and figuring out who I am, like who the Mm. fuck I actually am and how I want to show up. And and I I don't know if I had that much of a desire to like help people as strongly as I did until I let go of the, um, the fitness stuff. Um, I think a lot of that was more about me and I was certainly intrigued by the body um, and certainly at a, at a place where I was, you know, helping people recover from post-op and stuff, but I don't know if it was so much about contributing and, um, you know, showing up in the world a different way and, and, and leaving, and, and a big piece of mine was uh, leaving the whole uh, fat loss thing. So I made it very clear that any clients I was working with, it was going to be body mechanics, um, you know, po- post-op recovery. Um, I wasn't interested in working with people that were really struggling. Cause at that point I had said, I'm like, if there's a struggle with food, cause I was correlating it a lot to mm-hmm. addictions and things. And I couldn't get myself out of it. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Yeah. Couldn't stop. Like no matter how many times I told myself I would, you know, and I was like, I was like running out of money. Like I was like going to the grocery store and spending like, you know, $300 on food that I would eat in like an evening. Like I couldn't, it was, it was really like crazy behavior. So I just couldn't, you know, I I stepped back from that part of my business, which had been a big part of my business because I was coaching other bodybuilders and stuff at the time too. So it was just this massive shift. And I, and I got more into uh, stress management because I was looking just for other ways to uh, contribute and other ways to show up in the wellness world um, that, that I could speak to, or, you know, that I could lend something to. Um, outside of being, you know, a, a professional, like a therapist or anything professional. So I gravitate. Meditation was a big piece for me. Uh, connecting to spirituality, which I think is, you know, super personal for everyone. But I had 
really stepped away from that for a long time. I went into that. I leaned into family and it was, it took me like three years. Yeah. It was. That is the experience of letting go of identity um, for in how you described it. It's very, it's very powerful. It's a huge undertaking. And um, what I've noticed, uh, there's some very, when you let go of some really big ones, right? So your self-identifier as that young, pretty, doing the thing, you know, and I got all my stuff together and I want to say a little bit more of um, focused on self than others, right? And the, we can look at that and go, like narcissistic oh, oh, slightly, yeah. right. You know, so you can yeah. look at that and go, well, okay, I'm going to let go of that. And that if to say that out loud, that's mm-hmm. people be like, okay, that, that was probably a good idea that you let go of some of those things. Mm-hmm. Yet what I find fascinating is we're also in those moments. We also have to let go of parts of ourselves that we relied on and parts of ourselves that, um, although on the outset, perhaps not the greatest, but it was the person that got you to this place in your life. And it was the person that made decisions yeah. that led you to certain education fields that put you in places that helped you create certain ideas about success, right? So mm. when we let go of identity, no matter how crappy that identity may have been, once we look at it real solid, there's still grief there. So I'm curious about um, your thoughts on the grief process as you were doing this work of shedding, um, literally, physically, figuratively, you know, emotionally, spiritually, and, um, and how that may have contributed to the length of time. Yeah, it took I think, to, it was, to really... I think it was, uh, sliding back was a big part mm-hmm. of my, my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because it wasn't intentional. There wasn't this like I'm changing things. It was it was digging my trying to dig myself out, right, and being very very reactive. So a lot of things weren't intentional. So I and and what I would do is I would have this this sort of forward motion where I would have you know some things in control and and feel a little bit better and alleviate some of the uh, illness I was experiencing. But then I would slide back into old patterns and then slide back mm-hmm. into old patterns and and it was kind of like a, a push like you know like. It would be, you know, like five steps forward and like two steps back. You know, I was never fully going back, but there was pullback or it was like, oh, should I do another show? Or should I, you know, like all those kinds of things. Like there was a lot of um, push pull. And I think that's a big part of the length of time that it took me to mm-hmm. um, fully move forward, I guess. And, and it's like you said, like, I mean, there's parts of that person that I would never let go of, like this person that was so intrigued and excited about learning and you know, the, the discipline that it took to get my body in a certain shape, you know, I, I love that person. And I, I love a lot of the things that that person did. I just, I just don't think it was the best idea that this person decided to stand up on a stage in front of another bunch of ladies, compare themselves and have someone else tell them that they're good enough. Right. Hmm. And I have so many thoughts on that, but I think I'll save that for another day. It could be a, it could be a whole one on its own. That that's a that's a whole other podcast as it stands, I mean, which is like smash shit, implode the oppressive <laughs> world we live in from within. Anyway, um, <laughs> so thank you for commenting on that. But I think, you know, when I hear people talk about the journey, and it's very, you know, we do the I'm heading that way, but then I went back this way. 
And I, I want to just honor for you in this moment and for anyone that's listening, that's felt like they've done the push pull, the forward back, Mm -hmm. that every element of that is movement, Mm -hmm. every element. And so it's our, your continued commitment to showing up for yourself. It may have taken three years, four years. And it may have felt or 10 like or whatever, like it doesn't right? matter. Maybe it's, it's not even back and forth. Maybe we look at it like laterally. Sweeping laterally. I love that. Cool things, right. Like there's cool things that came out of left field and, and yes. right field. And like, there was all sorts of cool things happening. It, we don't even have to think about it as forward and back. And I like that. And I often talk about um, life and experiences as, as a spiral. So sometimes mm-hmm. we're like, how did I fucking get back here again? But recognizing that you may have started here. And if you can't see the video, just envision a spiral. Okay, you can do that. Um, so you start sort of here at the bottom and you're experiencing shit and then you learn. And so you're moving sort of up and the, the spiral's kind of like slow grade. And here you go and you do some learning. And then you have this big wow moment, like, whoa. And then you're like, how did I fucking end up here again? The reality is you, it's not the same point. It looks and has a feel of the same experience because it may have been, um, like you said, you're sort of sliding back into certain patterns of behaviors, but you've never been the woman you are in this moment ever before Mm -hmm. with the knowledge that you have. So you experiencing it now are the woman who's already experienced it with awareness you didn't have that the first time. And so the second time, third time, fourth time, you're gaining every single time you move through an experience. You're like an onion. You peel a layer, you cry a little bit, you get better. You peel a layer, you cry a little bit, you get better. And, um, and then as the, the, the vision for me is that you go from a wide spiral of slow upgrade to a very, very narrow spiral because you're just learning and you move up and you learn and you move up and you learn and you move up and you keep doing that quickly because you take with you, um, not how the experiences are the same, but how they are different. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself in a place where you're saying, how did I get back here again? Mm -hmm. Go, okay, well, it looks similar, but how is it different? What is different than what did I have? What do I have now that I didn't have before? Mm -hmm. And can I use that to then make the next decision? And I think that's what, and I know that's what you were doing. And I, you know, through that process, and it's a process, and that the process is the magic and the destination is non-existent because there is no end, right? Well, there, there is, but then you're dead. So <laughs> yeah, let, so then it doesn't know, matter. <laughs> that's not the end we're, we're aiming for. But I, I'm so grateful that you sort of walked us through that it was messy, that it was complex, that there was ugh, moments um, yeah. because that's what it's really like. And then at the same time, and you're living your life. And you're making money and you have to go to work and you got to go to the grocery store. You got to go yeah. and like go like, to family functions and you, right? Like we, we are, we can't heal in a bubble. Mm-hmm. So we have to be willing to move through it um, at the pace that we're, that we can, like everything happens as soon as it can. You show up, if you're willing to open your eyes and show up every day, you mm-hmm. win. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm curious. So now that you are, um, you have moved through some, some big parts of that spiral, (laughs) you've moved up. Um, what is it that you are really passionate about now? I mean, I know in that, when you, you describe sort of the work that you're doing, but what is really lighting you up? I know you moved recently. Um, I'm, I'm curious to, as to what drove that and what was the impetus for that shift 
And, and what are you now sharing with the world? Like what kind of energy and gifts are you, are you putting out for, for us? I say us, cause I'm close by. <laughs> the move was, the move was entirely COVID driven. Mm. Um, ent- almost <laughs> entirely. I, I had not, I was starting to think it was about, you know, I was like, ah, you know, I don't want to be in the city forever. Um, and I had planned, like, I'm like, ah, maybe in like, you know, four or five years, I'll really start to think about it. And I wasn't going to go back to, you know, um, like I grew up in Richmond Hill, which mm-hmm. is a suburb, right? So I, I didn't want to go back to that. If I was going, leaving Toronto, I was like, I was going out, I was going country. And um, COVID, it was sad. It was sad in the city in, mm-hmm. in COVID. Like everything I loved was closed down. Like I, I love concerts and big music person. My friends were all you know, I lived alone and, you know, my friends were all kind of doing our, whatever it was, quarantine or lockdowns or whatever it was. And it just got really sad. And I'm like, this is it. I'm, you know, I don't know when these lockdowns are ending. Toronto was locked down long, like longer than anywhere in North America or something. Right. So I, yeah. So I, I started looking on Kijiji because it was getting really tough to find rural anything on like MLS and stuff. And I found this beautiful little hobby farm that had a rental above garage um, you can see my slopey, <laughs> um, slopey roof, but yeah, so I, so that was, it was beautiful. And, um, I, I love being here and it's, it's changed, you know, it's, it's changed my whole mindset and my whole, um, my whole vibe. I got to reconnect with horses when I was out here, I had rode as a kid and I always had such a affinity for them and then everybody up here has got like a bunch of them and a farm and everything <laughs> so, so I, I really I've got to reconnect with that and I and not as a as a rider or as an equestrian but just um uh, being with them doing uh, groundwork and bonding exercises with them and um I'm I, I had stepped out of the fitness thing for a long time like like I was saying and we um all the Toronto clients kind of made it onto zoom with me. So they came up with me. And uh, so I've been doing that for a while, the zoom thing. And I started offering retreats uh, with the horses for women. So we ran our first one uh, last weekend and it was beautiful. Their farm that I'm working with, they've got 70 acres of field and forest. And there's an actual herd of horses that are um, they're not stable. They're not barn. They live in the, in the forest and they've got that full property. So we set up a campfire. We went back there and hung out with the horses and did a little meditation. It was, it was really beautiful. So offering more of those before it gets too, too cold for us all to, to stand it. (laughs) And I'm doing some online fitness coaching, which is a space I really didn't ever think I was going to find myself in. Um, the, yeah, I, you know, I always had such a penchant hate for online programs. I just, they're not customized. They're not, um, you know, like everybody's just so unique. And, you know, my clients would even sometimes come to me with like this online program and I'm like, oh God, it's awful. Um, <laughs> but I found a, I've, I, I've met so many amazing people that are so connected to you, so that you're so aligned with in, in Midland, uh, which is wild. Um, so I, I wound up at mega mindful for a little bit. If I, I don't know if you know, mega mindful on King street there. (laughs) And so I, and I found, um, I, I met an, an online coach. He was an online fitness coach. It's the, uh, the fit freedom program. And he was doing amazing things. He had an app that you were able to build out customized workouts for people. He created a mm-hmm. online community for the women in his program, and he was looking for uh, another coach. So that's gone um, amazingly well. 
um, to much to my surprise. Yeah. Like it was, you know, and I think we're getting really saturated a lot online, or at least I am, maybe it's my algorithms and my feed, but I'm like, gosh, if I see one more like fitness reel, I'm going to lose it. But it's, you know, entering into that space has been really interesting and, and at least being able to do it with, um, integrity and with the values that I have and, creating community has been, um, really different here than, than it was in Toronto. It's been a really beautiful experience, like bringing people out to meet the horses on the farm. That's Serenity Rising, which Mm -hmm. is just a beautiful, beautiful space. And just so many different avenues in which to create community has been, I think my, my main thing right now. I just want to hang out. Awesome. You hear that everybody? She just wants to hang out. I want to hang out. Um, I love that through the experiences that you've gone through, some of them very challenge, very challenging. I mean, I don't often say things are really, really hard, but it sounded like it was hard. And, um, and on this other side, I love that the highlight that you've created is that you're being very discerning about where you put your wisdom and energy and your time and your gifts, and that they are much more value aligned um, in really connecting to your sense of integrity, which mm. it sounds like before that was not 25 yeah. year old Pamela's thing. And to be honest, I don't know anybody that's their 25 year old thing. <laughs> maybe now, maybe now the 25 year olds are way more aligned with, you know, their non-negotiables and their values and integrity. But I know for me, that was not the case. So mm. I'm, I love that that is a, a highlight point because it is such a beautiful benefit and um, you know, when we look at experiences and we're sitting in, in it, it can be really challenging to go, that's okay. This is all going to mean something someday and it's going to be great. Um, so if you're in something like that and it's challenging to say that for yourself, know that there are people who have gone through some very deep, heavy, hard shit and now building lives, Pamela's building a beautiful life filled with community and opportunities that, align with your passions, align with all that, the knowledge and skills that you have been honing for over a decade um, and pulling all of the greatness that is you um, and just happen to be leaving a few of the patterns and behaviors behind. Mm -hmm. So, so brilliant. (gasps) (sighs) Just, I'm like kind of all a buzz here. So anyway, (laughs) so you you get to have these conversations all the time. This is so lovely. <laughs> well, um, we could do this again. We could do this more. That would be fabulous. Uh, so Pamela, we, the, you walked us through a pretty, um, I know it was a snippet of your journey. Like you said, we didn't get to the party girl days. Um, but what is it that you would like um, to leave with the listeners? Uh, because it, even though it was just a snippet of your story, there was a lot that I feel can be taken from that. But if they were gonna walk away with one thing, what would you want them to take with them today? I think it might be that um, identity piece. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't even know how to put it. It was just, it was really, it's, it's been really huge for me, like getting sort of to the core of who I am and it took my journey. And, and I mean, the, the party girl stuff was another layer of that. Like that's drove me into fitness as well. Like, I mean, I was, I, thought that that's was my only value that like if you want to have a good time like give me a call and you know that was part of my earlier journey too and then I don't know like I think 
trying to uh, detach yourself maybe from, because I think a lot of the identity stuff might be built up from things that people told you or things that made you feel good at some point, mm-hmm. like, and, and not being afraid to let go of that feeling. Um, because, you know, I didn't know how to live as a non like fitness model. I didn't know how to do it. Like, mm-hmm. what was I, if I wasn't that, what was I, if I wasn't the girl that everybody called to go somewhere and, and party and drink and, and whatever, what if I wasn't that person, I might not, um, have love maybe, or, or whatever it is. But I think, I think that's the, the piece and the message. And I mean, with even, you know, the, the fitness stuff that I do, it, it just, it's, I think we hear this a lot too, but it just, when you're embarking on even a wellness and, and fitness journey, it just, it can't be about a dress. It can't be about the way you look like mm-hmm. it's, it's gotta be for you and reasons, you know, the, the way you want to show up in the world and your, and you said values and, mm-hmm and figuring out the, the deeper things that aren't as easy to sit with because everything that I identified with was so surface and so easily taken away and thank goodness because if those things hadn't have been <laughs> let go of then I wouldn't have gotten down a little bit deeper and it's scary to go deep and try to figure out who you are without all of the things and I, you know, and I mean, I, I, identities serve their purpose too, but maybe, I think maybe that's my message is just not being, maybe not being so attached to roles or, or versions and, and giving yourself your own time. Like I, oh, I think you're, you're worth your own time and you're worth an investing in getting to know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is brilliantly said. And I think um, regardless of what uh, roles or or identities or hats or whatever you want to call it that we sort of feel that we are stepping into when we're young, it becomes so enticing to be fall into what we think people want or what they think that we are and then go, Oh, that must be what I am because that's what they're saying. But you're right to do the work, to do the work because you're worth it. Um, it, it, it makes all the difference and your happiness is just on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. So, so and, brilliant. Yeah, and- any work that you can do to for self-worth like mm. that was I think a, a massive part of of all of this is is figuring out that you're you're worth it just as you not because because I'm a fitness model not because I'm this not because I'm that but yeah. you're just you you just are like self-worth is something if I guess if I had any advice just to, to explore like what you what you are worth to yourself and then you know this might be a discussion to have with a professional, like a, like, like a therapist. <laughs> um, awesome. But, but, you know, and, and you're worth investing in that too. Right. I think, yeah, that's, that's just huge. No matter what it is, like a lot of my stuff is, you know, tied up in fitness and whatever it is, but self-worth is, is, is a big thing worth uncovering. Right. And it, it's, it's like the foundational piece to be able to make any other change because Anything. if you don't, if you don't value yourself, you will not follow through with something that's better for you because you won't think that you're worthy of the work. Right. So I, I, I have a journaling course and I help people to figure out how to journal. And the one thing they always say to me, like, I know how to do it. Why am I not doing it? Like that's a self-worth issue. (laughs) Like, and we're talking about journaling, right. But if you don't feel you're worthy of the time or the energy to learn the new skill, because the benefits are for you. Well, right. If the benefits were for your kids or your partner or somehow, or maybe the environment or whatever, something external that you're passionate about, you might dive into it. But when the benefits are for yourself and you don't have self-worth and health and wellness is, is that's for you, 
um, you, you can run into some massive issues. So thank you for that. Thank you for highlighting that. It is such an important part of this, you know, journey of life <laughs> that we're on. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to come and chat with me today. And I'm really looking forward to connecting with you personally. And so if you are interested in the amazing work that Pamela is doing, if you're local and you want to tap into some of these beautiful retreats, there's going to be links and everything available for you. Um, so thank you, Pamela, for being here today. Oh, and thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.